Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 129 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I'm recording this on Saturday, the 10th of July, and it's not being released until Monday, the 12th of July. However, on the day in between, you'll be aware that quite an important football match has taken place. So by the time you listen to this podcast, football will have either come home or left home. Let's hope it's the prior, right? But anyway, let's talk about games. Let's talk about art. Firstly, to our Patreon supporters who keep the production of this podcast possible and are helping it to grow. And although this content is free for everyone, if you'd like to support us in a small way, you can do it from as little as £3 a month. If you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram page, there's a link tree drop-down box. Just click on the link there and that'll take you to our Patreon page. For the price of a cup of coffee once a month, you're getting at least four podcasts. And 100% of that donation goes back into supporting this podcast. But anyway, back to this week's episode. I've not previously met today's guest. That sometimes makes it a bit more awkward, you know. But when you start talking to that person, and it turns out that they've got a booming personality, it feels like you've known them for years, right? Now, today's guest, L.R. Vandy, has had quite an extraordinary journey into the art world. She's had sell-out solo shows at the October Gallery. She had a public sculpture on show during Freeze Week. She's got a public sculpture on show during the Kensington and Chelsea Art Festival. And the tribal masks that she creates, which have sort of become her signature pieces, are just breathtaking, you know. And on top of all that, she's got such an amazing story which you're about to hear for yourself. So please, come and join me over Zoom, speaking to L.R. Vandy. Yeah, that's why I started this podcast. You know, I love speaking to artists yeah, about can, their work. I can hear that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know, I get a bit enthusiastic sometimes. What's wrong with that? Oh, no, nothing. But because everyone... you know what? The, that's the thing I liked about the people at um, Kingston and Chelsea Art Week. You know, when I started dealing with them, was their enthusiasm was just like, thank God, they're yeah. alive. Yeah, the art uh, world can be very stymied, you know. Oh, it can. The, the the podcast that's out at the moment, I don't know if you wear is uh, Zach Ove. It's, uh, it's obviously there's a long list to get through. Oh man, he's amazing, out. isn't he? When that well, I've known, I've known Zach since he was seventeen. He lived in Camden, and I had a studio in Camden at the time, and uh, we met through a mutual friend, and uh, Hassan Hajjaj. You know Hassan Hajjaj? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, Hassan, Zach and me were mates and the Soul to Soul guys were there. 
Nice. So I was doing a bit of work for them. I was also doing a bit of work for Hass actually at the time because he had a shop in Covent Garden. Got so you. it was all like a little Camden crew, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in the south of England. I was so, to whereabouts? In um, a place called Selsey near Chichester. Oh, I know Selsey, yeah. Yeah. How come you, you started off life there? I was adopted by a white middle class family. Well, I should say low middle class actually, because they certainly weren't posh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where we lived. We lived in Hampshire for a bit and then we lived in Selsey. Wow. Would I, I was the only I was the only darkie in the village. That's exactly, I was just about I wasn't I weren't going to say it like that, but that was just about I was going to say was there a sort of cultural vacuum in that area? Yes. When I when I used to go visit my parents when I was uh, a student, if I got on the bus, they thought I was a nurse. Brilliant. You know what I mean? Or if I go out with my mum for lunch, they think I'm a carer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first black person I saw for real you know that wasn't on the telly <laughs> for uh, real <laughs> yeah you know what I mean not on the telly it was in Portsmouth to my mum when we were shopping and I said to my mum rather loudly am I as black as him <laughs> and what was her answer can you remember she just laughed <laughs> <laughs> my mum was always very good at just keeping everything quite easy Oh, of course. You know, not making, always letting me know about stuff. So I was locked in, she always let me know. I was about I to say, she, she probably went through a fair bit herself, didn't oh she? Oh, my God. During she had people, people stop her when I was in the pram and go, is that your child? And my mum would go, yes, and walk on. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a, a lot to say about about people who who put themselves in that position, isn't there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I was lucky. We had a great life in Selsey, too. Yeah, because it was beach life, fishing and... Oh, it's just wonderful. Really outdoor life. I'll tell you what, I'm loving your studio. I've got a bit of studio envy coming on looking behind you. Oh, good. That's a, that's it's a... very small. Yeah. So you come in. Oh, wow. Ah, that's the scale of the masks. I never knew what scale they were. I've got well, you they're, now. They're, yeah, they're, they're quite small. They're about 500, these ones. There's yeah. some spare ones up there, look. Brilliant. That's what I'm working on. Uh, and that's the new sculpture I'm working on. See them. Oh, yeah. Is it a dancer? She's, she's called Dynamo Woman. I want her to be like, like about 30 feet high. Wow. Yeah. You can definitely see the movement there. She's a reminder of the forces of nature. Yeah, nice. Because she was actually was um, um, inspired by my remembering um, water spouts from Selsey. Oh, yeah, yeah. see the water spout travelling across yeah. the sea. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit weird when you see them. You think the world's going to end, don't you? Precisely. So static. She's a, like a guardian of yeah. the water, really. But should she be let loose? So it's a reminder of our need to look after the planet. That's the next piece that I'd like to get realised. I'm going to make a maquette, a bigger maquette, a one and a half metre maquette for uh, 154 Sunset House, which you will be at, I hope. Uh, oh, I... 154 Contemporary Art Fair. When, when is that on? October the 11th-ish. It's usually around then at Somerset House. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll be with the October Gallery in my gallery and uh, there'll be a, a bigger maquette of her. And, uh, They're a pretty cool gallery, October Gallery, aren't they? My God. I just got so lucky, thanks to Zach. How was it? Yeah, Zach put me through. Yeah, because he's known them for years and because of yeah. his father, really um, important filmmaker. So he knew the gallery. I used to go to the gallery when I was in my early 20s. And always was slightly intimidated by it, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but after a while, Zach said, I think this would be the gallery for you. You've got to meet them. And he, he met them with me. So sweet. Really kind, really generous, you know. Zach brings people through with him. Yeah, yeah. I know you said you've listened to a couple of podcasts. Um, within the podcast is seven questions. The first being, Lisa, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? And like everybody, I really struggle with that and say, yeah, go to the October gallery and look at the, look at the <laughs> website. But um, it's, it's difficult because I do work through different mediums, um, often inspired by found objects. Um, I'm slightly obsessed with engineering and uh, mechanical things. I think probably that came from my father, who was a design engineer and was always making, so that I have confidence in that. Um, I always have quite a strong graphic form in my work. Um, and that may well be indeed because I did my first degree in graphics, but I did my second degree in furniture. I did oh, an MA in furniture yeah. design at the Royal College as well. So 
you know, I'm working with, I'm, I, I'm working a lot around transportation and engineering and the female form, I would say. You said your dad was an engineer. Yeah. Did he have a, um, a workshop at home? He had a shed at, well, he had a big <clears> garage at home and he, he did everything. He fixed everything. He had a lathe, he had a, you know, he had everything. Not, not milling machines, not that far. Because he didn't make anything and he lived in there, basically. As soon as you said that your dad was an engineer, that explains why you've got a perfect studio wall behind you with all of your tools laid out. That As soon as you said that, I figured that's why. <laughs> and that is, I commended the wall on your studio. It is perfect. So it's it's um, inspiration stuff. Excellent. Yeah. And then but the rest of it is, is tools. But I try and keep it organised because I learned that from a chef. If you put it back in the right place, you can always find it again. When was it you first wanted to be an artist? Can you remember? Well, it's, I think I should have been an artist right from the get-go, but I just did not have the confidence, really. Um, but I could always draw, and I was always good at art, and it was the thing. I went to art school, um, but I didn't really understand. And in those days, obviously, they wanted you to be... So I'm 62. So it was always 79 to 82 when I was doing my first yeah. degree. They want you to do textiles as a woman. Oh, wow. So the only thing I could choose was graphics, because I didn't even know you could be an artist, actually. I don't yeah. think. I didn't even think that existed, not for someone like me, that's for sure. Yeah. So um, I, I started, I did my graphics course, and then I started making things. And before I knew it, I'd got a, God, I was using all the kitchen tools, same old kitchen utensils as tools, <laughs> you know. They were sort of, and someone said to me, oh, that looks like jewellery. And so I sort of formed it into jewellery and sold lots of jewellery to different people. And, Nice. You know, did different, I mean, I sold to Liberties and Harvey Nichols and Browns and places in New York. And, and then I started, wanted to make bigger things and I just didn't know enough. So eventually I applied for, um, to do an MA at the Royal College of Art in Furniture Design because, not because I wanted to be a furniture designer, but because I knew that I was going to learn a lot about materials yeah. and how things fit together. And, um, and I also learned all my computer skills there. But of course, as soon as I left the Royal College of Art, I did something completely different. <laughs> um, I went off um, assisting set designers and art directors and eventually became one myself because all the, all the skills I'd learned at the RCA had taught me all the technical drawing skills, visualising, um, how things go together, how to communicate a project, how to approach a project, model making, all that stuff. It just so goes just, to show how blurred the boundaries are between well, fine art and any, anything else creative. Outside I think it's about it. applying what you learn to yeah. whatever you're doing, isn't it? But um, it was a really good. I mean, I did some really big jobs. I used to art direct the MTV Awards, oh, nice. which was a really big gig. Did those about four years in a row. I designed all the um, Commonwealth Games, uh, the, the, where the Queen was seated, or that arena and the floor cloth, and lots of nice. staging elements for that. I did, did uh, big gigs, big live music gigs. I did a lot for MTV, and then it just sort of went a bit. To be honest with you, I'm working for Blue Peter at that point, art director Blue Peter. <laughs> I got a call from somebody asking me if I'd like to art direct the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Did I gave up. Did you say art. you're having a laugh? <laughs> I, very good, Gary. Very good. Oh, damn. <laughs> so, um, that was when I sort of realised that the game was up. <laughs> okay. Like, wow. I'm really busy. I didn't have any more jobs. But I just started making things again, you know, and very tentative at first. And I got lots of encouragement from people. We did a show with somebody that we just did on our own, the guy I shared the studio with, Shiraz Beiju, another very talented artist. And it grew from there. And then Zach put me in touch with the October Gallery. And that's, that was the- Brilliant. Yeah, that was, I had a sellout show, my first show with them at 154 Sunset House. I think I had 10 pieces in the show and they all sold. It was just like- Oh, oh yeah, God. just underlining- My touched the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just underlining your, you know, your initial thought of can I be an artist? Yeah, and I couldn't even say I was Brilliant. an artist. I could never been able to say it. Brilliant. Even it was wonderful and scary and fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where are the Chuckle Brothers now? <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never admitted that to anybody. I can't believe I've now said it. Broadcast. <laughs> I'm glad we had it. No, out. no, don't. Honesty's <clears throat> the best. <laughs> So from, from that exhibition there, what was it you sold 
on that on that first exhibition? That was all. That was all the um, the masterpieces, as you call them. They're they're boat hulls, and um, that was all those pieces. I had. I, I thought you was on about years ago. No. How long ago are you speaking? Like years. 18? Fuck off. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to tell you to fuck off. No, that's all right. I thought you was, I thought you meant sort of like a dozen years ago. No, four years you, ago. That is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah, 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 I started at 58 or something. Yeah. Oh, I, I nearly went to clap then. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd started before that. Oh, brilliant. I, had, I must have done three years before that because I had a body of work that was sort of on its way. So I'd been tinkering probably for four years and then I started getting more and more serious about it. But yeah, it's only four years. So it's probably, I would say eight years max that I've been making. So and those first four years weren't, you know, full on. Your introduction to the art world was those masks that are boat yeah. holes. They, yeah. are, they are amazing. Thank you. Wow, Thank what, you. A, what an introduction, that's sort of like, knocking like kicking the doors in of the art world to introduce well, yourself thank you so much thank you no, they're was, amazing i i didn't know how they'd be received there I, I lost confidence in at one point i just thought well they're just too obvious and too i don't know i don't know i lost confidence but anyway i don't need to think like that now well bearing I've, in mind this is audio so for anyone that doesn't know these artworks could you could you just explain what they are Okay, well, actually, the best way to describe it would be to describe how I first came upon one, actually, because okay. I was in, um, I love going to antique fairs and car boot sales, and you never know what you're going to find, do you? Hairs yeah. on the back of a minute. Go up, <laughs> you know? And um, there was a, oh, like, I don't know, 900 long model boat hull, but it hadn't been, um, it had no deck and yeah. no uh, sails. So it was upside down, laying on its flats, and it was a yellow, creamy yellow colour. And I just saw it as a mask. Yeah, brilliant. It's got the keel in it's in fiberglass. It's all lovely, creamy, shiny. My God, that's a mask. I'm having that. Bought it. Paid like 30 quid something like that for it. Took it home. I had a little studio in my um, house, at my flat at the time. And um, it sat there for two years before I suddenly knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. Fishing floats. Yeah. So I'm using... A lot of fishing floats, uh, a lot of pins, a lot of um, porcupine quills, uh, things that sort of animate the hull with a sense of danger. Yeah. That make it look like an African mask and give you that sense of guardianship. So right. all these smaller pieces are attached to the hull, sort of creating a barrier to it, but it's also very seductive. They're dangerous, yeah. but they're also quite beautiful. So you use the beauty to sort of lure people in. And then after that, you have to start thinking about what you're looking at and what it really means. Yeah. And there's been lots of different things said, which I now know whether they're my words or not. You know, people miss, but one of the best comments, or the best, it wasn't even a comment, it was a, it was a wink. I got four winks from women over 40. Giant <laughs> vaginas, they saw them. Brilliant. Us. So if they look at me, they go like big wink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you're coming from. What? Yeah, vagina dente, you know. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> but it's, it's all those sort of things that when you come up with an idea, your subconscious is telling you that there's something there. And yes. it takes us, it can take us years and years to realise what we was trying to tell ourselves. Exactly. And I mean, you know, you can do all that sort of post-rationalisation uh, and things, but they're instinctive pieces. Uh, my job is to make what is already a very beautiful object more beautiful yeah. and not to ruin it and to bring something out of it, but to only use two or three elements yeah. because otherwise it becomes decoration. So it's about animating them, giving them real life and real yeah. presence. A couple of the pieces yeah. were made as a, re a response to lots of the deaths in, in um, Italy of boats turning up yeah. with dead, dead migrants. Yeah, because it relates directly back to the African slave trade directly yeah. and and how many of those did you do 10 originally I think there were 10 four quite small ones about 300 high and then a few quite big ones about a meter 900 and then when I did my solo show I did ones that were two meters high as well and and, and the beautiful thing about those as far as um an artist practice is concerned 
that could be one of those things that could follow you through your career that, got, that you will always bring yeah. it and they're always new they will never get old yeah um, and it's just a, a simple idea that has so much power thank you so much i'm pleased i'm pleased and i'm so pleased that everyone got it you know that was my fear i, I didn't know if it was just too obvious or too brash um but i love making them and you know they're very problematic to make there's nothing zen like about drilling 2000 holes in a boat <laughs> and trying to put you know because also when they're wood wood moves with dries wood cracks you know how do you fix them behind how do you make them rigid and strong enough and well made enough that's the engineering background coming in i love finding those solutions yeah I mean, yeah at the moment the kensington and chelsea art week is on and you're involved in that these masks aren't part of the kensington chelsea art week no, no, they're not. I've got superhero goggles. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got, I start, I made 20. Which is a little stop. bit different from the mask. <laughs> it's, it's actually true. It's actually true. But I can't, I, I don't have one of my other sculptures here to show you. But um, I made 21 sculptures of women that were quite influenced, I'd say, by sort of um, Bauhaus and Italian futurist. Yeah. But they're all, white made in wood and they've, they've all got different attitudes there's 21 of them and i wanted them big in bronze <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay small in bronze would do. Uh, so i said you know anyone got any money and i was like no nah. okay left that behind you know move on to the next thing i've got the sculptures they're going to be shown somewhere they're, you know they're okay they're fine. yeah yeah and then i thought i've got all these cogs i was playing with them and i was like oh my god here comes another one superhero problem nice. And Brilliant. she's, these women are static, very static. They're in the marketplace, they're very domestic. They're chattering, they're gossiping, you know, they're making the world go round with, with buying and selling. Superhero Cogwoman becomes more animated. Yeah. She's in industry, she's not domestic now, she's out in the world, she's in Dagenham, four yeah, places, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? She's, she's got six sisters though, Gary, that haven't been allowed to be made. Because you know a cog needs another cog to yeah, work against. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, so love I've it. Been allowed, I've only been afforded to make one, but her sisters need to join her at some point. Her six <laughs> sisters. She's made from she's made from six components because they're all made in slices in moulds. You yeah. switch the components around. I can get I can get six more figures out. Excellent. And they're all different. Yeah. But they all work together. So that so superhero cogwoman came out of that because. She's about to fly off and do good deeds, you know. I can imagine. She's just about to go. She's a good. <laughs> she's, come out, she's come out of the industry. And she just now. She just wants to do good things. And that was displayed on in Freeze Week the other year, wasn't it? Absolutely. And that was my luck because I'll tell you what happened. Really, that I had my solo show coming up. I'd come up with Superhero Cogwoman. I'd got a little three D print of her made, and uh, I said, "Anyone got any money again?" And they went, "No." And so I thought, sorry, I just got a pension through. Got ya. 14 grand. I didn't even know I had it. Perfect. Paid for her. I said, I'm going to just put all my money into it. I'm going to do it. I don't care. And I did wow. it. And because I did it and it was available, it went into my show there and then onto freeze. Lesson learned. Absolutely. Put your heart into it. But, but it sort of seems to me you've got to be rich to be a sculptor. <laughs> But, and also, that, I mean, I was asked the other day by somebody if I wanted to have three, they wanted three superhero cogwomen for a project. But I didn't have any money. Yeah. Like, well, I don't, I don't have three times 15 grand or 40 grand to, yeah. to, to give you. <laughs> and it'd be ideal if, if, you, if you could, but yeah. Could you I imagine how I, fast I, you can grow or an artist can grow if they have got that in their back pocket? That's why the art world has always been white middle class Thank you. Looked after people and people like do, us that have, have to struggle, have to struggle. I, do, I have, I do have faith in these things. And what I do also realise is that with a lot of work for, and I'm sure this is true for absolutely everyone, is that you, you may be on it now, but it's going to take three, four years, maybe five years before everyone yeah. catches up with you. And, you know, and by then, like, I'm onto Dynamo Woman now. Yeah. Mind you, you've, you've not, you've not got any cobwebs on you, that's for sure. So, uh, <laughs> how far you've come in the art world in, in such a relatively small time. So, I mean, I must say, this um, public art 
thing is really coming into its own at the moment, post-COVID, you know, during COVID and post-COVID, I think yeah. that will continue. The, um, the importance of art and people recognising how much they do need it and want it. Yeah, and want I agree. to see it and want the conversations. Superhero Cogman is sitting right outside where people park the car and then go towards the opera at Kensington. Yeah, nice. I was thinking, I don't think they're going to like her. <laughs> but I don't care. No, you do. You know, other than the 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 the, um, the whole piece is obviously is to make um, abstract sculptures of women, to me, seems important. Yeah. You know, great, okay, you have a bronze of Margaret Thatcher, or something, you know, or whoever, you know, whoever they're celebrating. I think more powerful that we have abstract figures of women, yeah. because then we can bring our conversations to it. You know, it opens up conversation rather than, I think those things tend to just be replicas that there's dead to me those things yeah you can Whereas, definitely see the african in the superhero cog woman oh good yeah wait till you, wait till you see uh, these women as well check them out on the october gallery website you'll see that there's a couple of them that got nice what modeled on me you know big ass <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna grow with you i'm sure well i hope so i'm that that's a body of work these women those 21 pieces i'm still really proud of them really i mean i'm proud of all my work actually but i I don't know how I did it. It was like Groundhog Day for a year. Yeah. Because you're you're cutting wood, you're you're painting it, you're sanding it, you're filling it, you're cutting wood, you're painting it, you're sanding it. It's not an artwork, is it? It's just material, isn't it? You send it. You're sanding and painting, sanding and painting, sanding. I didn't even know if I, I I'd finished what I'd finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the end, you go. I don't care. Just yeah, take it. Please. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging up everywhere. Yeah. Get no, someone no. else to talk positive about my work because I've had it up to ear with it. <laughs> you know the thing. You know. Lisa, what, what artwork that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection, do you think? I think Dynamo Woman, the one that I'm working it's always the piece you're working on later. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think because I think she's more important than what I feel about her. I think I think the connection that other people are going to make to her. I think she has something important to say about the planet ties into that ties into female energy uh she's a reminder of the forces of nature i mean dynamo yes. woman at the moment is just a maquette and you showed yeah. me you yeah. showed me earlier could you just just describe what dynamo woman is she's she was very influenced um inspired by tornadoes and cyclones and water spouts so she starts as a small spiral and gets wider that's her ass <laughs> that's her waist a bit bigger again that's her, oh. her breast and then the head and then it whizzes up mm. so it's made out of they're made the ones i make at the moment have been out of flat flat copper it's only about six mil wide yeah and or i've been making them in aluminium wire as well and is it just uh, one coil or several uh the, i have a copper one which is one coil which is fantastic wow. sounds amazing that, that one's come up really well um but the other ones have a core of a spiral and then they're added to afterwards. I mean, they're going to be tricky to make and no one wants a sculpture that moves, that's for sure. I think that would be highly illegal in these days. But the idea is that these figures are getting more and more animated, more and more dynamic. Yeah. And uh, hopefully bigger and bigger. And will you have to consider the base that they're on as well? I think that one for me just wants to go straight into the ground. Nice. nice. By the sea. Yeah on the beach, on a harbour, you know? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, here I am, yeah. back in Selsey. Mm. What do you do to relax, Lisa? Um, this is it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very relaxed when I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard yeah. sometimes, isn't it? Because I think it's because a creative mind is always creating. Yeah, you so... can't switch it off. And no. some, some people say, well, how long did that take to make? And I can say, well, probably 40 years, <laughs> you know, because you... You're always thinking about stuff, and I'm so so happy in my studio. You know, I've got very very basic tools, but you can make a lot. You can do yeah. a lot with your hands. You know, these yeah. things are amazing. If there was you and five other artists, Lisa, past and present, Jeez. what would your ideal group show be? Oh my god, a group of oh god. I have to have the heavyweights in. I mean, I suppose I would think about artists that have really excited me. And influenced me, I guess. Yeah. Mostly dead, I think. But yeah, yeah. Um, oh, apart from so yeah, I'd have to say Barbara Hepworth, Perfect. for sure. 
Um, I'd have to say Brancusi. Nice. This short, one of my earliest sort of like wow moments. Last yeah. um, Mahoney Nash is to me one of the most exciting people. Laszlo Maholi Naj. So Maholi Naj, M A H O L Y N A G Y, was a professor at the Bauhaus. So, you know, thirties to, I think he died in like the forties. I think Um, was a really truly experimental artist with all the sort of elements that I love. So, um, engineering, photography, light, kinetic sculpture. Nothing was off bounds to him. I think he was a true modernist. And go on, like, I mean, I think he invented the photogram, actually. His oh, photogram. Really? I think, I don't think he gave it, I don't, did he give it the name? But early, early days, he was doing the most sensitive and beautiful uh, photograms. And then his kinetic, kinetic sculptures are just, and, and then of course all that stuff around him at the Bauhaus as Oscar Schlemmer, I don't think I can include him because his costumes for opera were just incredible. Um, and then who else would I go for? So who have I got? I've got Babs Hepworth. <laughs> I've got Brancusi. I've got Maholi Naj. Then I guess I'd go Theaster Gates, I think, because I think I'd learned a lot from the way he works, and especially the way he works with his community, let alone the standalone pieces that he makes. That's another name I don't know. Theaster Gates, yeah, check him out. Very, very important black American artist. Uh, he's showed here a couple of times at the White Cube. Uh, he's worked out of his own cities and made Doesn't good. Doesn't film, does he? He does everything, I think, really. He does, you know, performance art, but he will, He's been making art for the community, basically, in buildings that have been disused, old banks. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's Detroit he's working out of. So the industrial centres that have lost their core and their heart, he's taken these buildings and re-erecting them as art galleries or as art places for people to come and make art. So it's, he's got a very um, wide uh, attitude to art yeah. that includes many other people and many other performers and artists nice. as well, very inclusive. Very interesting guy. And then I suppose I'd, I, I want to say Basquiat because he had, has had a huge influence on me, but I think Louis Bourgeois would be probably more interesting. Basquiat was a bit stoned, wasn't he? Um, you can have six. Okay, Louis Bourgeois, because I find her work really unsettling and hard. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not drawn to it for its beauty as you are. I find it deeply disturbing and challenging. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very drawn to it. And it's so the opposite of how I work and what I do. And she was amazing. And, and it, it is daunting, her work, and it is slightly terrifying. I think she really challenges you. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Definitely. And Basquiat. Basquiat, because I think, I, I mean, I, I don't paint, but I think because of the highly sort of symbolic... Um, language in his work and when I used to make jewellery and I didn't know it was jewellery I thought it was art but someone said it was jewellery so I made it into jewellery um, I was always using symbols that we're very familiar with you know like the symbol for water we all we all know that way what it means circles bars you know restriction a lot of sort of um the, it says symbols are an international language basically when I did some art education with uh, some of that work I encouraged other people with different cultures to bring out different symbols and what they meant to them because it's a way of having of, talk, of describing and showing something without without words. It's perfect. And looking at Basquiat's work, it's full of language yeah. and symbols that you can decipher very easily. I mean, they're all muddled up, and, but they're so powerful. And if you don't know what they mean, you're really missing out. It's just it's so rich. It's like you know, it's like reading a book going up to yeah. that work, isn't it? This, the superhero cog woman that we were speaking about just a little mm. while ago, that's part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. For the next couple of weeks, throughout July and August, people can see it for themselves. Whereabouts is it? It's in Napoleon Gardens. Nice. Which is very close to 
at the Abbots, Abbotsbury Road entrance and you just walk up through the car park and she's in the Napoleon Garden, which is beautiful. I mean, it's, Holland Park is beautiful, full stop, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I, yeah. I hadn't been for probably 20 years, I'd forgotten how beautiful it is. Um, and she's in a walled garden and there's a little turret at the top behind where the peacock hangs out sometimes. Nice. I'm hoping that peacock's going to go and sit on her head, but not shit, obviously. <laughs> um, and it's just a, it's a nice part to go to anyway, whatever you're looking at, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled she's there. Absolutely thrilled she's there. She needs an outing, you know, every so often. And is there any context alongside it? Or is no. it just nice? No, and the garden's not been planted yet, which is... Nice. Funny, so she's got bare earth, but I think I think I might be planting this week, so then the flowers will all come around. Yeah. So she really is in very different surroundings. Well, she was in Regent's Park before, but um, I rather like her in the countryside. I really like that juxtaposition. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, what have you got coming up, Lisa? One five four Contemporary Art Fair is coming up in October, and I'm just about to start making six or seven pieces for that and to make uh, a one to two meter high maquette of Dynamo Woman. So try and get some traction on her. And where are you because, gonna try uh, and get the traction on her? Basically, just being seen is one thing. Yeah. Um, I've made a catalog of her. Uh, I just wanna show you this, the, the copper one, Gary, because you, 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 nice. I photoshopped these. The no, idea no, that she- It looks good in situ, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you see? Can you see her? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. And there's a good couple one I want to show you. There she is. They look so good. I, I know that you said it, the inspiration come from um, at Selsey as a child. Yeah. And and you know seeing them out at sea, but they look perfect. They Thank look you perfect so much. in that environment. So I think just getting um, them seen, I'll, I'll probably try and get that one made big. Um, it, it, I find it, it's a bit like when I used to be a, um, an art director, production designer. If more than one person in the office knows your name, you get the gig. Yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. a bit like repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah, yeah. And so it sinks into the psyche and then eventually, it won't be immediate. Someone's going to go, God, yeah, yeah. great. Give, uh, yeah, I've got loads of money for you, off you go. Um, but it will slowly sink into like and something will happen eventually. But things have got to be seen. Yeah, well the public art arena isn't that enormous, you know. Because it's, it's, well, it's, people can't afford it, Gary. Yeah, That's uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but to, to see a good bit of public sculpture, I was talking about this just a couple of hours ago. I walked through Liverpool Street into the city about 18 months ago. Um, I was going to give a talk at some posh place just you know because they love bringing a poor person in didn't they <laughs> telling about their fucking experiences Exotic. Exotic. Yeah. Um, but walking through there the artwork in these um, big environments is is bullshit yeah Unbelievable. I mean no disrespect to the artists that have made it but it's, it's what the people that have bought it are, are think that it says about them I mean some of it feels incredibly dated and I wonder if you know, often during the process of architecture, it can take a decade for something yeah. to actually be finished from the con concept. And some of these things, I think, look just incredibly dated. Yeah. And I wonder also with public art, if it shouldn't have a, a lifespan. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, you know. You, the full flimp is only there for a short while, isn't it, you know? It's such a good idea. I think a lot of public art should have a short life. Yeah. Five years, gone, that's enough. I mean, the, 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 the bad news is, of course, for the artists is then there's storage. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly that well that's what what zach mentioned what i was talking about at the start he was saying that there should be more protest art in the world and it's it's them artists that that sort of appeal to me and it doesn't matter how big or small the artist is if they're passionate about a subject and know yes. how to make that idea and argument into a visual form then that is that's beautiful and that's what that i'm looking to see how and where we could possibly do a a fourth plinth type thing, you know, every couple of years, um, get an artist to make something in protest about, and, and it doesn't have to be a huge issue about refugees or, you know, race or gender. It can be just something about local shops or yeah. anything yeah, yeah, yeah. that someone's passionate about, you know? Yeah. 
well, you'll always find, I think, that the smaller, the micro, you know, does um, reflect what's going on in the bigger yeah. world anyway. So yeah, however definitely. small that protest may seem, it could be part of the bigger picture anyway. But I like to think of some of my work as protest work, actually. You know what I mean? It's um, I'm quite angry, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's hard to quell that anger into something that doesn't look angry. Yeah, you've got exactly. something that's got to tell you've got to make something that tells the story of anger <laughs> do you think it's just important it? to have something political to say i'm not saying all artists have to do that for me i think it's a very indulgent thing to be an artist yeah i'm lucky that i had some career beforehand that gave me some savings to do a bit although god knows it ain't easy um mm. but it just feels like i'm not going to sit here and not have something to say about the world i'm not yeah. going to not respond to what's going on around me you know, that would just be like, I might as well just dig a hole and get in it. What's the yeah. point? No, I agree. I'm, I totally agree. What I do, what I have enjoyed listening to about the podcast is that you seem to generate that something else comes out of the po out of the podcast often. A show or connecting people that then make a show or you making that piece of art. Yeah, well, that's, that was an intention from together. me it's, it's, I love that. It's just, yeah, it's just growing. It's, you know, yeah. it's, we're not, we're not, in, we're not in this art world for long, and or we're not in the world for long, you know. So try and grow and prosper for yeah, as much as possible, yeah. and, you know. And also to connect with people. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. Like I say, that that thing that that Zach said, that's been burning away at me for for ages because it was only like two weeks ago that I had the the meeting with Zach, I think, and I put his up a bit lively. But um, yeah, he's quite an inspirational guy, isn't he? He's a force of nature. I mean, he has Get Up, Stand Up, the show that Zach curated for, is a landmark show that he will go down in history for forever. It was how he did it, I don't know. How he pulled it together so quickly, I don't it's know. It's as if it you expect magic. him to come to life and start marching down the road, don't you, you know? It's magic, it's absolutely magic, that show. And he was talking about how some artworks they're almost loud in their silence, you know, they're, they're generating something quite massive. And yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Oh, are you talking, you're talking about the, the 40 men yeah. sculptures. No, I'm yeah. talking about Get Up, Stand Up, the group show that he did at Somerset House. Sorry, I, I was talking about the ones outside. Yeah. yeah, they're fantastic. Absolutely amazing. I mean, thought provoking beyond and uh, some of them went out to the States as well, of course, and became very wrapped up in Black Brilliant. Lives Matter because their hands are up. Again. They're showing their palms. And how cool they're is that? your palms. It's not aggressive. How cool. And it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing when stuff like that Brilliant. comes around, yeah. isn't it? Mm. It's absolutely beautiful. His piece outside of the Design Museum, Autonomous Morris, I think is probably one of the best pieces he's ever made, actually, because it's so complete and so clever to have seen that in uh, a few car boots you know they're car bonnets from yeah. Morris Miners yeah that's and what to have seen it to bring it together like that you, you can't draw that kind of thing. yeah I went you down just to, to do it I went down to MDM props to ah. where he was that's where we that's where we recorded it was at MDM props isn't it great so, oh it's beautiful it is oh, stunning yeah, and oh, well, I've wanted to do one with them a while ago. I did contact them and nothing come of it. But then now, obviously, going to see Zach, then, uh, yeah, that's, the intro is, is made yeah. there. But, yeah, 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 just going to see everything that's going on there, you know? Sort of, I um, remember there once, and uh, Zach had a piece. They also were making this, all the animals from a zoo in Dubai, and I'm talking about all the animals, so from a mouse to a horse, <laughs> all realistic. And then in another corner, they had a massive ice room which was like four times the size of my studio <laughs> in ice for a russian princess or, well, not a princess wow. sorry but a, a russian ugly guy that wanted to have an ice room in his mansion brilliant as you do i mean the variety of what they do is incredible and the size the scale of the place incredible it's a football pitch isn't it yeah. like a football pitch. that's worth a visit that place where can people see you lisa be it online social media um, I, I don't have a website because um all my work's on the october gallery website i mean i suppose what i could do is put on my instagram tag i could put www.octobergallery you've got that anyway is it oh well there we go then <laughs> you the link on your instagram profile is october gallery and it takes you straight there 
Oh, right, okay, great. You can see how pathetic I am. <laughs> I'm quite good at making things, though. That, that's, what, that's what you're there for. Everything else is just decoration, isn't it? It's really mad, though, because I can do technical drawing. I can do 3D technical drawing. I can really, you know, realise a, a, a technical drawing properly. But when it comes to being on the phone and doing those things, I'm just... I think I lose interest. Yeah. So I, mean, I was going to say that, actually, about the work, because I think one of your questions that you ask other people is about um, how you, how the ideas come. I think you were asking somebody once. Yeah. Uh, what inspires or something. And I was thinking, actually, I think the majority of my work comes from mistakes. You know, sometimes it just clicks like the first hull. But there, a lot of the other work has come because I've been trying things that didn't work and then that's given me two other ideas. So then I'll resolve the thing I'm on and I'll come to those other ideas later. So that, the work generates work. That's the story work. of so many artists. And it's because- That's why you've got to do it. There's no point just thinking about it. That's why you've really got to get on and do it. Because yeah, because none of them so will come from it. There's some artists that think it's quite fraudulent if they just come across something rather than work towards it. And I well, was you like- torture yourself. You've yeah. been working towards it all your bloody life. But, you know, it's here, it's been here forever, back of the head. The idea being that in the making comes the mistakes, comes the errors, comes the energy. And in the mistakes come 10 more ideas that you can yeah. then latch on to later. But I have to actually be here in the studio making for that to actually happen. It doesn't happen at the screen so much, you know? The drawing is good. That's, that's great for me, but I have to be actually doing to make ideas flow. And um, something between the relationship between the brain and the hands for me, it's when I suppose I feel I'm most complete or when I'm most relaxed, yeah. when it's going well, obviously. Um, and do you think that goes back to the childhood of growing up, seeing your dad seeing in his made, workshop? Who was I, an think I think you're probably right. And my brother um, was a farmer and a grape maker. I mean, he can make anything from a, a chair to a, a house. You know, he's, um, they, yes, that, they did everything. If something needed doing, they did it. You didn't get people in. Yeah. You know, they did all the maintenance, whether it was roof. Um, I came home once and a wall had come down. <laughs> my dad had decided to take the wall out in the house. As you Propped do. it all up, and next thing you know, we had a nice seventies arch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was in the seventies and not the nineties. Yes, it was. Seventies <laughs> 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 so arches are all right in the seventies, aren't they? <laughs> but it's sort of, I think, seeing that done around me all the time gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. It um, makes you realise that that anything's possible if you have a go, it, isn't it? Exactly, and to know that you know my, my father was actually happier so you could see that when he was when he was making probably did transfer to me yeah all my fathers and my brother because my brother's eight years older than me one of my brothers um was that things were done things got done and they got finished properly yeah. and no project seemed to be go on forever you know like you hear but no they were very very efficient that's a that's a good quality to have isn't mm, it mm, doers my dad would have a really really good way and i realized how it do of just being able to make from whatever was around. Yeah. Try not to go out and buy too much stuff, just yeah. being resourceful with what you've got and making it look good and professional, you know. Yeah, there's there's something about a well-made something that is produced from nothing. I really admire that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um it's resourceful, it's skillful, and it's it is, it is upcycling, it is recycling, isn't it? I mean, I feel these model boat hulls that I make, is that upcycling? Right. What really does make me laugh about those boat hulls is that I've just got this image of, you know, white man in cardigan with small boy in same cardigan, but smaller, <laughs> looking over their model boats in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Helping him, it's made and they take it down. And now I've got them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I love it, you know, because they are back from the 60s, 70s, yeah. 50s, and earlier, some of them. I wouldn't I wouldn't be allowed to join the yacht club. I wasn't allowed to join Brilliant. the tennis club where I lived, you know, because yeah. of my colour. So the irony of all this is not lost on me and totally very satisfying. Yeah. That. I mean, my, my solo show was called Hidden. Uh, that was three years ago now, I think, at the October Gallery. 
And the whole thing about the hulls, of course, is it is, I'm showing you the side that you never see. Yeah. You know, unless it's in dry dock, you're never going to see that part of the boat. It is hidden and it is... Barnacle free. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think a lot of the subjects I'm talking about are trying to make visible the hidden. Similarly with the railway track um, and these women and the idea of women in industry, trying to make this uh, these abstract forms visible to provoke those kind of thoughts about yeah. what's not seen. Well, that's the ideal piece of art, isn't it? Where you show the viewer something that they know and let them read it in a different context. Yeah. And yeah, that, that it's for quite me, interesting. Quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. That to for see me, it's the process. ideal piece of, well, that's, that's the basis of conceptual art, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course it is. Of course it is. I, also, I made this, this film actually that hasn't had any um, traction where I made, I was making bread and I'd been to Ireland recently and they said add treacle to your soda bread because it gives it a really nice little sweet flavour. So I was making it and I poured this stuff, the treacle in. Oh my God, if you pour treacle onto flour and watch what happens. It's <laughs> yeah. sensational. Is it chemical, it's, like a chemical reaction? It, it's terrifying. It's like <laughs> the earth has been subsumed. <laughs> then that flour just rolls right over it and takes over and wow. goes white again. So I made a little film. We filmed it on 4K, I think we did it. I made a great big tray, step ladder, because I did it on my iPhone with a like, angle poised light and sellotape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And filmed it, and it was so amazing. And then we did it big scale, and I showed it in my solo show. I wish I could get that scene, because this is one of those fabulous things where a piece of work has come out of the domestic. Yeah. And that really ties into my these women because they're very much about a domestic scene. And these wonderful surprises that you get in your domestic lives, whether it's reflections, I, I've got a whole body of work about reflections, which are just from vases and mirrors in the house and the sun shining a certain way and you get- Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening. I'm gonna put them on Instagram at some point. But those, those, I think getting joy from very small happenings is I think- It's um, beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. And I know lots of people do it, but they don't spend enough time with it. Well, it is that, again, it's just going back to seeing something that you'd normally just look over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was yeah. talking to an artist yesterday uh, on that same subject, but I'm bringing a, I'm going to bring an extra human into the, into the mix. Um, I was speaking to an artist yesterday who just paints homeless people. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a great painter, James yeah. Early. Yeah. I've known him for some time. Just to see these beautiful faces that are telling such a story you know what I mean and and he puts them on display at eye level when most people would just walk past the guy on the yep. floor and not not see them you know and then made into art everyone yeah thinking, and that is beautiful it's that it's that good Gavin points. Turk thing of, of making something that's deemed worthless and putting yeah. great value to it yeah yeah I really I really admire that fantastic fantastic and that's similar to what when I see um, artists using materials like you, like you're using there. It's you know the, the whole of the boat is is the, the the bit we don't see. It's the it's the throwaway bit we you know yeah. we don't acknowledge. We yeah. like all the pretty stuff that's based the on the minute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. That's> <laughs> <laughs> it's about two seconds to strip that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it kills me to do it though because the workmanship in these things is incredible yeah. it really breaks my heart to do it but um has to be done i keep a lot of that stuff actually the uh, yeah you have to someone's made it mm. <laughs> yeah is your studio there is, is that closed off it's i share it with um this guy shiraz so we i cut it down the length which is a much better way of doing it. I see some people have done it in half, so you've got to go through one studio to get to the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, he's not often in. He comes in for making periods. He uses it mostly as storage, and he travels quite a bit, so... Hi, Sandy. Um, yeah, and he hasn't been in for a couple of weeks, and I'm really, I'm, you know, nothing against him. He's a great guy, but I really love it on my own. <laughs> but I often come in very early. Yeah. So I, I could come in at seven or something, so I know that I've got at least four hours to myself. 
Yeah. And I'll do another four hours with him here and then I'll go and I, you know, try and work around it. Yeah. I'm lucky to have a studio. Yeah. Well, you know, we chat and it's often really helpful, especially in these times. Yeah, well, I've got I've got a friend who we speak probably every other day, and it's always about art. And every every idea that I've had is more or less a collaboration with him, yeah. because there's nothing that I've made that I haven't run past him. Yeah, and yeah. I don't see it as being his artwork, no. even if his idea was the the major part of it. Because but he wouldn't have had the idea if no, he hadn't exactly. heard him. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you, if if you did that, you wouldn't be making anything because we're all influenced by everything. Exactly. Well, Lisa, that's all my questions asked. All right, we're done. I'm I'm thrilled that you wanted to do it. I'm touched and thrilled. It's great. I am so, I'm pretty much, I don't use this word. I don't think I've ever used this word, but I'm aghast that you're only sort of like four or five years into your your visual art life. And you're at the stage you are. It's it's commendable. It really is. I'm a grafter. I can't wait to see what you're up to in another five years. Oh, well, that's very thrilling and exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I come in the studio every day. You know, it's 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 a nine-to-five job. That, that's how I see it. Brilliant. Right, Lisa, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Gary. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved thank it. you. That one, by it, the way, on. Maggie Hambling. What a great show. That was oh, great. thank you. She's terrifying. I have, know. You met, have you met her? I, I've, um, I've met other friends that have met her, and uh, I've been warned away, you know. <laughs> That was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Now I'm looking forward to the so many to listen to. I'm very looking forward to catching up on many more. Right, Lisa, I'm going to shoot off, darling. And I'll see you. Well, I'm I'm hoping to meet up with you you soon. You're very welcome to come to my studio at any time or meet up anyhow. And I'm interested in any of the charity things we're doing, perhaps to donate to a piece of work at some point. Brilliant. I'll bear that in mind. Lisa, darling. I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go, Lisa Vandy. What a series of accomplishments in such a small journey. Superb. And as she mentioned there, her superhero Cogwoman is on show at the Napoleon Garden for the duration of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Festival, which runs until the 31st of August. So for more information on Lisa's work, and that of so many other artists involved, go over to www.kcaw.co.uk to discover where you'll find these artists and their work and just how much this festival is producing for the local communities. It really is quite inspiring. And so many of the artists involved have been previous guests on the Ministry of Arts podcast. You've got last week's guest, Amy Jackson, Zach Ove, Graphic Rewilding, Orlando Broom, Fiona Grady. There's Lauren Baker way back on episode 41. I can't even think whoever else. So if I've missed anyone, I do apologise. In this episode, Lisa Vandy spoke of the October Gallery and how it was instrumental, getting her to the position she is in the art world today in such a short time. Now let me just read you a few little snippets about the October Gallery. It was founded in 1979 and is now a charitable trust. And it has been instrumental in bringing to the worldwide attention many of the world's leading international artists. The gallery promotes the trans vanguard, the very best contemporary art from around the planet, as well as maintaining a cultural hub in central London for poets, writers, intellectuals and artists. It hosts talks, performances and seminars. And to find out more, go over to www.octobergallery.co.uk. It's a gallery that I'm definitely going to take active measures to have them appear on this podcast. So, that's about it. Lisa Vandy, Superhero Cogwoman, Napoleon Gardens, part of Kensington and Chelsea Art Festival. Got to be done. That's it from me. Until next week, toodle pip. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media anything is appreciated but either way thanks for listening and until next week ta-da
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.